Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Uh, now, unless you've uh, been under a rock for the last three weeks, uh, this year 2022 has been declared the year of prayer at New Grace Baptist Church. Parker, I don't know your hand signals. Okay, all right. It may go off in a minute. I don't know. Uh, we're just gonna we're gonna roll with it, all right? And uh, pray for God to work with the technology, and pray for God to give me a sound room guy that doesn't try to do sign language from 50 feet away, and uh, just lets me preach. Amen. All right. So 2022 has been declared the year of prayer. Of course, last year was the year of the Word of God. Uh, we preached through the entire Bible, went from Genesis all the way through Revelation, uh, looking at how the entire Bible uh, pointed to Christ and his work of redemption on our behalf and how that encourages us to live for him and how we treat other people. And this year, we're really going to refocus on prayer uh, because when Jesus described the church, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say my house shall be a house of, of good music. Praise the Lord for that this morning, amen. He didn't say my house will be a house of where everything works perfectly all the time. And as we know here, thank God for that because it never works right. I mean, we'll get it. Y'all should be here at 930 when we run through everything and everything works flawlessly. It's perfect at 930. 1055 hits and everything goes kapuchki. I don't know what happens. But anyway, he said my house shall be a house of prayer. And I told you over the last several years, uh, especially, you know, starting in 2020, uh, we have really kind of fallen off uh, how we pray uh, here at the church. Of course, we, we, you know, with COVID hit, we couldn't meet much and we tried to do it online and it wasn't the same. And then as I told you, as the, the, you know, COVID went on and 2020 rolled into 2021 and it didn't get any better. And let's face it, 2022 ain't looking that hot. But it kind of, I got discouraged personally and really kind of dropped the ball in encouraging us to pray and really being effective in my own prayer life. And so the whole point of this year of prayer is to, as a church, refocus us on praying together and as individuals to really increase your faith in your prayer life. That's why we have our impossible prayer request. And I noticed we got one that's answered. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. So we have an impossible prayer that was answered. Praise the Lord. And so I'm encouraging you to, to you know, come up here and put your impossible prayer uh, up here. We'll pray for them as a church, encourage you to pray for them on your own. And then as we see God answer, we're just going to praise God and rejoice here. I, I want new grace to be known as a house of prayer. I want to increase our faith. I want to make our prayers more effective. And so this morning, we're, we're coming to the fourth and final message in the series we've entitled, Just Ask. All of the teachings in the Bible on prayer can be summed up in that phrase, just ask. Just ask God. Just talk to God. Uh, now, for the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of obstacles to, to our prayer life, a lot of reasons why we, we don't pray. Or when we do pray, we don't really pray with the faith that we should have and, and need to have. We've, we've looked at how to pray. And today, we're going to look at the heart we need to have behind our prayers. Now, it's going to be a little bit different this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the heart of prayer that we see in Psalm 95. 
uh, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on that. I'm going to spend a lot of time giving you kind of an outline to help you pray, uh, kind of a way to pray through your prayer list and some things that's just going to help you. And then I plan on finishing up early. Now, you know what that means. Three o'clock, well, I don't know. You know, I usually try to finish by noon. If I'm finishing up early, I don't know. Uh, but we'll get out in time, I promise you that. And so we're going to finish up a little early, and then I'm going to invite you to come down and pray together. Pray with your family, pray with your spouse, and we're going to pray as God asks us to pray. Now, uh, Psalm 95 is a hymn of David. Uh, it doesn't really tell us in the psalm who wrote it, but we know in Hebrews chapter 3 that this is a psalm of David. David wrote this hymn, wrote this song to praise God and praise God for being king of his people and praise God for all his goodness. So I want to start reading in verse number 1. So Psalm 95, <clears throat> verse number 1, the Bible says, Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with psalms. So David, he begins this, this hymn, he begins this, this, this song by calling us uh, to praise God, to worship God, and as we do, to be full of joy while in God and trust for God. Then look at verse number three. For the Lord is great and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength, uh, the strength of his of the, the halls is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. So now he, he goes from a call to praise God and worship God and trust God to really praising God for His character and the work that God has done. Then verse number six: O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today, if we will hear his voice. And so now he goes to reminding us of our relationship with God, that we are the, the children of God. He's our king. He's our shepherd. We're under his protection. Then the, at, at verse number eight, he starts to give a warning uh, about how we interact with God. Verse number eight, harden not your heart, as the provocation, and as is in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long I was grieved with this generation, and I said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Can y'all hear me out there? I'm having a. All right, okay, because I, I can't hear me from the monitors. Uh, so give me some more monitor here, Ben, so uh, I don't feel like I have to keep yelling. Uh, so, but anyway, so he ends this with a, a warning. He says, do not harden your heart to God. Don't harden your heart in your prayers and how you pray and when you pray. And so it's a very, very hard warning. Now, how do we, how do we know if we are hardening our hearts? How do you know if your heart is hard before the Lord? How do you know if you've strayed into that? How do we keep our heart from wandering? The answer is found in our prayers, in what we pray and in how we pray. So we're going to 
look at that this morning. First thing I want to notice is, number one, prayer reveals your heart before God. How you pray, what you pray, the passion you have in your prayers, it shows if your heart is connected with God, if you're in touch with the Lord, or if your heart has been hardened before God. And the opposite is true. Lack of prayer. Not praying for, you know, just going through the motions of prayer. And silence in your prayers, it also reveals your heart with God. You know, Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bears what is good, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bears what is evil. For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what, what Jesus is saying there is your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. Your mouth reveals what you really care about. That's a, that's a sobering thought, if you really think about it. Think about the last few days. Think about, you know, from, from last Sunday until today. What did you spend most of your time talking about? The weather? I know I did. How much you hate snow? I know I did. How much you wish that that church in Florida would call you to come pastor them even though that church doesn't exist? I did. Like we all, we all think about, we, we talk about weather, we talk about politics, maybe you talked about your job, maybe you, you talked about sports or whatever it is, you know, the, the NFL playoffs are, are happening now and I don't really know or care who's in them because it's not college, but I know other people do. So maybe you spent your time talking about that. Uh, you know, you talk about your job, your family, your, your favorite TV shows. Or here's another thing. What did you spend the week not talking about? Did you spend a whole lot of time talking about what the Lord gave you in your devotions? Did you spend a lot of time telling people about how, how precious God is to you or how, 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 how good he's treated you, even though it's in dark times and maybe you're having a tough time, just spend time praising God and, and rejoicing in God or, or sharing the word of God with the lost and trying to give them the gospel. What did you talk about and what did you not talk about? You know, what subjects did you avoid or find not making it into your conversation? And our prayers, the same thing is true with our prayers. Your prayers that you give to God, they come out of the abundance of your heart. Prayer reveals the condition of your heart. So what you spend time talking to God about reveals your heart with God. Do you spend a lot of time praising God and thanking God? Or is most of your time spent just going through a, a mundane list, just trying to check off well, I, I prayed today. I went through my prayer list. I prayed for all the missionaries. I, I prayed for all the, the ministries I know about. I prayed for my family. I, I did what I needed to do. I've prayed. It's done. Great. That shows what your heart is with God. And I've told you this. Your relationship with God is, is a relationship. If you were to treat, talk to God, or if you were to talk to your wife or your husband the same way you talk to God, would you still be married? Would you, would you have a relationship with your wife? If, if all you did when you woke up in the morning was when you talked to your wife or you talked to your husband was take out a list 
and say, hey, honey, be sure to take care of this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. Okay, talk to you tomorrow. You would not have a relationship with your spouse. If you, you, you might get a divorce. They might leave you because they're going to find somebody that does have a relationship, want a relationship with them, that does want to communicate. Your prayers are communication with a precious, loving, heavenly Father. And how we pray and what we pray and how often we pray reveals if our heart is truly connected to God or if our heart has been hardened towards God. So for the last uh, couple weeks, I've given you an acronym to help you pray. ACTS, A-C-T-S. Stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So I'm going to go through these to show you how how you go through, how you use these, and how you, and you may not use this acronym. I know there's there's all kinds of acronyms that you can use to help you pray, and that's fine. Whatever you use to help you pray, but I'm going to show you what these things stand for and how how you pray these things reveals your heart to God. First thing I want to talk about is adoration. Adoration shows a heart that is captured by God. It shows a heart that is captured by God. Now, adoration is simply praising God. Not for, not for what he's done, we're going to get to that, but praising God for who he is. It's hopefully what you did to your spouse before you got married and continue after marriage. You know, oh honey, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. You're so smart. Whatever, you just talk about how, how wonderful they are. That's what adoration is to God. How much time did you spend this week just telling God how great he is? Just praising God for his, his holiness and his goodness and his gentleness and all the things that he is. Psalms 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. We are, you know, we have time, most of us, if you're, you have a prayer time and you have a prayer method you go through, you have a time where you, you praise God for who he is, hopefully. If not, I'm teaching you to do that. But you should, you should have a time. Don't just jump in and say, God, this is my needs, blah, 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 I'll talk to you tomorrow. No, no, no. We've got to spend some time praising God in the door. But we should adore God and praise God more than just during prayer time, more than just during testimony time. You know, we can have a testimony time and people stand up and talk about how good God is and praise God for his good. Okay, great. That's wonderful. But do we praise God continually? Are we constantly just talking about how good God is? Think about the last few days. What did you spend, um, what did you spend most of your time praising about? You know, to, to us, we, 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 we don't really praise God all the time or like we should because we're not captivated by his greatness. We're not captivated by his beauty. You know, he is not beautiful to us or he's not as beautiful to us as other things are. You know, I could spend hours praising Tony Bennett for the national championship back in 2019 which is still the only one that counts. 2020 and 2021 didn't count COVID. So UVA is still the reigning national champs in basketball. Can I get an amen, John? And I can spend hours praising 
Tony Bennett and praising uh, all the, the players for how good they played and how wonderful they were and, man, how excited I was to watch them. But do we spend time, uh, just hours, praising God? Do we spend hours just saying, God, you are, are so incredible? But the thing is, we are too busy, we are too distracted by things of life to really seek after him like we should. We, we just give him a, a cursory little prayer time. God, I want to praise you for your goodness. Amen. Now here's what I need. And we just kind of go through the motions so that we feel okay. We are only vaguely familiar with his character. And here's why. We may know what the Bible says about who God is and what God does, but we haven't really experienced it personally. John Piper says this. He goes, you can't savor what you don't see. You can't cherish and desire and love and enjoy and treasure what you are not aware of. If we don't desire and cherish and enjoy and savor and treasure Christ, we will not commend him as magnificent in what we feel and say and do. Treasuring God and just adoring God is more than just in your prayer time going through the checklist. God, I want to praise you for your goodness. I want to praise you for your mercy. I want to praise you for your grace. It is seeing God as magnificent and as beautiful as he is, seeing his, his work in your life and saying, God, I just want to praise you for how wonderful you are, for how magnificent you are. And if we can't do that, it's because our heart's not been captured by him. Praying shows we have a heart that is captivated by his beauty, by his glory, and his majesty. Second thing I'm going to look at is not only adoration, is a confession. Confession shows a heart that is broken over sin. And here's the thing. Broken over your sin. We're not, bro not broken over the sin of of the Democrats and the sin of the liberals. And yeah, we should be worried about it and we should pray for them. And, but are, is your heart more broken over the sins of the community and the culture over, or, your sin, or is your heart broken over your sin? Over what your sin has done to God. See, the Bible says that we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. But you know, you can't tell that by listening to most believers' prayers. We like to skip over the confession or kind of really dumb down what, what our sins really are. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the problem we run into. When you talk about confession, we think about, you know, the crime shows, they get the, the murderer in the interrogation room and they got the light on them in there. We know you did it. We got you on camera. We got you. Yes, I did it. And they confess to what they did. That's not what biblical confession is. Confess in 1 John 1, 9, in the, the Greek, it means homo legeo. It literally means to agree with another, to say the same thing as. It's not simply saying what you did wrong, but it is agreeing with God that what you did was sin. 
It is agreeing that not only what you did was sin, but agreeing with God that you understand what sin does. Sin breaks the heart of God. It breaks your fellowship with God the Father. And we, you know, confessing your sin, true biblical confession, it's not justifying your sin. Lord, I know I went to that website, but my wife just hasn't given me the affection I needed. Lord, I know I lost my temper and and yelled and cussed, but Lord, my kids were just so frustrating me. That's justification. That's justifying your actions. That's what we do to the cop when the cop pulls us over and says, do you know how fast you were going? Well, yeah, but I'm late for work. Well, yeah, but I wore, oh, my speedometer's broken. Look, I've gotten, I'm just honest with them now. Do you know how fast you were going? Oh, yeah, I was going 80. Why? Because I didn't see you. That's confession. And you know what? Sometimes they let you off. Sometimes they're like, okay, well, just slow it down a little bit there, lead foot. Not all the time, but sometimes because they're not all gods, they're not all forgiving. But it is, it is, it isn't, going to God and, and blaming your, your sin on others or your circumstances or your upbringing. It isn't, it's not going to God and saying, God, I made a mistake. Sin is not a mistake. Sin is not a lapse in judgment. You know, I hate the phrase, you know, we talk about people, oh, well, they fell into sin. Falling is a mistake. I fell like four times this week trying to shovel snow. It was a mistake. I accidentally fell. When you sin, it's not an accident. It is a decision that you have made to rebel against God, to violate God's word. And confession is going to God and saying, God, I rebelled against you. I sinned against you. I am wrong and you are right. And is confessing your sin. You know, it is sin that hung Jesus on the cross. It is sin that caused him to come to earth as a man, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross a death we should have died, to literally become sin for us so we could have his righteousness to be buried and rise again three days later. Sin caused that. And we need to be honest with our sin. Sin is disobedience. It's rebellion against God. And when we try to rationalize our sin, and look, I know most of us, I hope, you don't go to God and when you're confessing your sin, try to rationalize it with God. I hope, I hope we're not, you know, we're not going to go, well, God, I know I did that, but did you see what they did to call? We don't typically rationalize it in our prayers. We rationalize it in our hearts before we pray. Well, I know I did that, but they made me do it, so I don't really have to confess it. You know, it, it wasn't my sin, it was their sin, so they need to confess it. And we, we can't rationalize and when we do that, it makes our heart numb to its effect, to its effects. You know, our heart feels them. So confession makes us truly serious about our sin. And not just, it's not just brokenness over your sin that should lead us to confession, but it's the promise we looked at in 1 John 1, 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. That is is a prayer promise from God. God says, if you come to me humbly, broken, and honestly confess your sin, pour your heart out to God, then I'm going to forgive you and cleanse you. He has to do it if we confess our sin. 
So confession shouldn't just be, well, I'm broken over my sin. We should be broken over our sin. But also, I'm excited about what God promises when I confess my sin. We crawl before holy God, filthy, stained, broken, and we walk out clean, whole, and forgiven. See, true confession brings joy. It's not a burden. It's a privilege that we don't use enough. Third thing I want to look at is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving shows a heart that is overwhelmed by his goodness. You know, Thanksgiving is a, we tend to make it a a small part of our prayer. We tend to lump it in with our praise. And again, it's different from your praise. Your adoration is praising God for who he is, Thanksgiving is thanking God for what he's done in your life. It is being amazed at his goodness. And look, maybe the reason we struggle with Thanksgiving or honestly, you know, giving God enough credit is because we, we give too much credit to ourselves for the good things in our lives. I got a good house, but I got a good job. I went to school and earned a degree. I went out and you know, got my resume together and I, I worked hard and I got this promotion and I got this raise and so I've done really good and so that's why I've got a nice house. That's why I've got a nice car. That's why I've got all this, this stuff. You know, and we don't give God the credit that God, you, you gave me the ability to, to get up and go to work and earn a degree and earn a paycheck and do hard work. You gave me the, the ability I needed to get to this place and so we don't praise God enough. Well, yeah, I've got, I got good food to eat, but I bought it. I went to the store I, or I cut the coupons, I would do whatever. And so we don't give God the credit that he deserves for the good things in our lives. Or maybe we feel entitled to our blessings. Man, I give a lot to the church. God, God needs to bless me. I do a lot for, for other people. God owes me. And we feel entitled to the blessings that God has given us. Maybe we, see, we, we spend too much time focusing on what we don't have. I don't have as nice a house as someone else. I don't have as nice a car as someone else. I don't have a, as good a spouse as someone else. And so we're, we're so focused on what we don't have that we miss the blessings that God has given us. See, thanksgiving should pour out of us. We should spend more time just thanking God for what he's done. Because if you honestly sit down and say, God, what have you done? Yeah, I want to think about what you've done for me and just think about the many things God has given you. See, God has been better to you. He's been better to me. He's been better to every single one of us than we deserve. Yeah. He sent his son to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to pay for our sins, and he ascended to heaven. He, he did for us what he could never do. And that's great. That's enough to, to praise him for eternity. But he didn't just ascend to heaven and leave us on our own. He's given us life and breath. And look, if you think, well, I ain't got nothing to thank, praise God for, here's something. You were blessed enough by God to be born in America, a free country where you can come to the house of God and worship God freely without fear of persecution, where you have had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to hear the gospel preached to you. You've got freedom and blessings that other people, all the people in North Korea do not have. So about thank God, 
thank you, I wasn't born in North Korea. And I can say that because their Internet's blocked and they're never going to see this. I can talk about Kim Jong-un or whatever his name is. Thank God you weren't born in, in na nations and, and, and places where it's, it's nearly impossible to hear the gospel. We have freedom. Or, hey, you don't want to praise God for that? Here's a good one. You're not dead this morning. You are alive. Today. God gave you one more day on this earth. Now, I know you may be thinking like me sometimes. Well, I didn't really want this day. You can come, uh, go ahead and come back right now, God. I'll be happy about it. But God's given you health. And, okay, you're not homesick. You're not in excruciating pain. You're not battling a deadly illness. You have the ability, the freedom, the health to come to the house of God and worship the Lord freely and openly. So if Thanksgiving's not pouring out of you, it shows that your heart is not overwhelmed by His goodness. Here's the last thing I want to look at, supplication. Supplication shows a heart that is desperate for Him. Supplication is crying out to God for your needs. And it's, it's lacking a lot of our prayers because we're not desperate enough for God. We don't see our true need for God. We're comfortable with things the way they are. We maybe, maybe we don't feel the need to change. God, everything's okay, everything's good, so I don't, I don't need anything to change, or we think we can do what we need on our own. And look, we are a very DIY society, and there's, there's good things. You know, we should have that kind of, I can do it on my own mentality, and I can fix this, and I can, you know, but we kind of let it translate into every part of our life. Well, look, my, April always asks me, uh, you know, my, my last vehicle was Eddie, my 1999 Ford Explorer, Eddie Bauer edition. I loved that car. I missed that car. By the time I had to get rid of him, uh, he, he was in rough shape cosmetically, but he ran great. But the security system thing failed, and I didn't want to spend $2,500 to fix it, so uh, I got a new one. I got another Explorer. I got a 2004. And when I got it, April's like, why, didn't you, why don't you go get a newer car? Why don't you get a newer truck? Get something a little bit nicer. And I thought, here's the reason why. I can fix that one if it breaks. You know, something goes wrong on it, I can fix it. I know how to do it. I can figure it out. If I got something from 2020, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even change a headlight. I had to take it to a dealer. And I feel bad having to do it. It's like, I, I can do this. And, I, and so I'm like, I got this car because I can fix it. So something goes wrong with the car. And it's, I've got something. I had to change the brakes last week. I got to change the catalytic converters uh, next, next month when I get those parts in. So I got things I got to do to it, but I can do it. And I feel like I can do that. And that translates into the rest of my life. I don't, I don't need to ask God to help me with my marriage. I can fix my marriage. I don't need God's help with my kids. I know how to raise my kids. I know what to do. I know how to, how to help them. I don't, I don't need God's help in my job. I can do that. I've got the, I, you know, I did everything. I got the education. I did, so I don't need God in this. And here's the thing. Jesus says, he didn't say, without me, you can't do big things. He said, without me, you can't do anything. We need God for every area of our life. And so when we, we, we give up in that supplication, it shows that we're not desperate for him. Or maybe we don't trust him for what we need. Or, like we talked about last week, we think, why pray? Prayer doesn't actually change anything. 
So why even go to God asking God to heal this person? Because God's going to do what he's going to do anyway, and so just leave it alone and don't go to God. And that's the point of this impossible prayer, because what you pray for reveals your heart. Are, are your prayer requests for more material things, for relief of pain? That shows a heart that wants comfort, ease, and success. Now, supplication isn't about getting what God can do for you. Supplication isn't going to God as a genie and saying, God, I've gone through all the steps. I've, asked, I've adored you. I've confessed sin. I've given thanks. Now I've gone through the steps. Now you're my little magic genie. I'm going to rub this lamp and you're going to give me what I want. It's not about getting things from God. Supplication is about getting God. Talking about this last week where it's praying in God's will. It's going to God and saying, God, I'm pouring out my heart. I'm telling you what my needs are. I'm casting my care upon you. Lord, here's the issue. Here's the problem. But God, not my will, yours be done. It's God, I I need these things fixed. But Lord, if I don't get them fixed, but I get a relationship with you, that's all I need. That's what it's about. It is getting a relationship with God. If we're honest... None of us, none of this should surprise us because, look, we we all know, hopefully you understand, your heart is wicked. I'm I'm not trying to slam you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? My heart's wicked. Your heart is wicked. That's just the way it is. So what do we do about it? We pray because the second thing I want to look at real quick is prayer prepares your heart. How many of y'all have ever heard or someone has given you advice or you've heard this advice, just follow your heart? Anybody ever told you that? Are you hurt? That is the stupidest thing you could ever do. Do not follow your heart. Why? Because we just your heart is wicked. Your heart is going to lie to you. Don't listen to Disney. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is not reliable. Your heart is going to lead you astray. The Bible never tells you to follow your heart. Now, it tells you to guard your heart. It tells you to hide God's word in your heart. It tells us to rend our hearts, which means repent of our sins. Uh, it, it, means to, it tells us to ask for a clean heart. Tells us we receive a new heart at salvation. Tells us to pray for an undivided heart. Tells us to serve, love, and trust God with all our heart. But never one time does it say, follow your heart. Because your heart is wicked. Your heart's deceitful. Your heart's going to lead you astray. Your prayers are not an expression of your feelings. They are an expression of your faith. And they are to be anchored in the truth of God's word. That type of prayer. Not praying over your feelings. Not, look, you can't trust your feelings. Your feelings are going to go up and down and up and down. And you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your heart. You can trust the word of God. You can trust the Holy Spirit living and abiding inside of you. And so your prayers are an expression of faith to God. And that type of praying, it changes your heart. Adoration, praise, it cultivates the heart that is awed by the greatness of God. But to have a heart that is truly adoring God, you have to see God's work. John Piper again, he says, Christ is most magnified in us 
when we are most satisfied in him and we cannot be daily satisfied in the depths of our soul in Christ if we don't see him and savor him. My point is that can only happen by a steady meditation on the word of God in the Bible. See, the Bible is the best tool we have to fuel our praise. I want you to look back at Psalms 95. Before he warns us about our heart, he calls us to praise God. Look at verse number six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if we will hear his voice, God reigns supreme. God is our creator. God is our redeemer. God is the one that sustains us. We are his people. We are protected by him. He is God and we belong to him. So our hearts needs to hear, uh, needs to be praising him constantly, needs to meditate on his greatness. And that turns our heart towards him. Prayers about who he is grow a heart of faith. And of course, confession turns our heart towards the grace of God. Honest, specific confession to a holy God brings joy. It turns your heart away from yourself and it focuses us back on God, towards the one that became sin for you. It focuses you on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it reminds you what Jesus did for you, and it reminds you of the grace of God on your life. See, confession isn't about how you feel about your sin. It is about telling the truth about your sin. See, confession is not, I'm sorry I did this. Confession is, I was wrong that I did this. It is feeling less important, and it's not, it is recognizing your sin. Then, of course, Thanksgiving drives you to humility because Thanksgiving reminds you everything you are, everything you have, everything that you've been blessed with, it is not from you. It is all a gift from God. Every good... I think the ice just fell off the roof. Amen. Praise the Lord. For a minute, I thought the Lord was coming back. I was fine with that, all right? <sighs> Whew, amen. How scary. Uh, but anyway, uh, where was I? Anyway, so uh, Thanksgiving, it fills your heart with faith. It reminds you that God, everything you have, God's given you. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. And Thanksgiving humbles you because it reminds you, it's none of me. Everything I have is a gift from God. It fills, fills our heart with faith. It reminds us what God did in our past so we can trust God in the future. And then supplication, it reminds us of our need for God. We saw that in the Lord's Prayer. When, when Jesus is teaching on praying, and if we're praying as Jesus taught, he goes, give us this day our daily bread. Again, he's not saying, Lord, make sure I eat today. He's saying, Lord, provide for me my daily needs because, God, I need you for everything. And when we pray like that, it makes us focus less on self-indulgence and more on daily dependence. It turns us away from building our kingdom and toward building the kingdom of God. That's why your Bible is so vitally important in your prayer, in your prayer life. 
Bible and prayer go hand in hand. John 15, 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Now look, a lot of us misread that. We say, well, if, if I remain in him and he remains in me, then I'll, I'll ask, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, if you, if you remain in me and I remain in you. Jesus says, if you have remained in me and my words remain in you. The word of God abides in your heart. So dwelling in, meditating on, being saturated, saturated by the word of God, it transforms your desires. So when we're beseeching God, when we're giving our supplication to God, we need to stop asking for comfort and start focusing on our daily needs. Now, prayer is vital to the life of a believer. Your lack of prayer shows your heart towards God. As a church, our lack of prayer corporately shows our heart towards God. How you pray shows your heart towards God as well. So I'm going to have Miss Trudy come. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.